Listener supported AMA 50 KFUO worldwide at KFUO.org. Please preferably consider making a year in gift to KFUO, the messenger of good news. It is the Midday Moments program. It's time for our moment on the lighter side. And today we welcome back our special Advent Christmas guest, Joseph himself. You know, Gary, I was thinking if I had a theme song, it should be the Mission Impossible theme. I love that theme. That would be a great theme song for you because there you go. Because what God has given you does probably seem like it was an impossible task, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, as we talked about the last few weeks, it it was an impossible task. In, In order to do what God had given me to do, I had to have faith. And that is a task that is impossible for human reason and strength. And yet you shared with us how God gave you that faith through his word. Yes, through the word of the prophet Isaiah, with his promise that a virgin would be with child. And of course, the beautiful word Jesus, which reminded me that God would save me from my sins. You would think, though, once once you had faith, everything would get easier. Yeah, you would think so. If a person has faith in God, he should be able to take everything in stride. I mean, after all, as the scripture says, if God is for you, who can be against you? And that word of God is certainly true. But it certainly doesn't always seem that way, at least in our flesh. Actually, once I had faith, things just got harder. What do you mean, Joseph? Well, let me share with you the chain of events after the dream that God sent me. As we've already discussed, having been given faith by the word of God, I immediately did what God's word told me. I took Mary for my wife as quickly as I could. I knew already the gap in time between when she became pregnant and when we actually got married would cause many a tongue to wag. I suppose in time it would become obvious that she was with child before the wedding ceremony. It's a common occurrence in your world today, but unheard of in my age. I suppose if adultery was punished by death as it was at your time, maybe there would be less of that now. Well, I'm not sure it would. You know, the lust of the flesh is a powerful temptation. But for sure, you'd do a better job of hiding your adultery. (laughs) Whatever, in my case, concerned for Mary's honor, I sent her away to visit her cousin Elizabeth. It was only a temporary solution, I knew. Eventually, she would have to come home, and then everyone would be counting the months. What did you do while your new bride was away? Well, I I did everything I could to make the home ready for her return. I I am quite the carpenter, you know. I I built a special crib for this special baby, everything hand-carved. I prepared a special room for the child. I I even built a rocking donkey for my new son. I relished the task of preparing to be husband and father. Finally, Mary came home. Now I was at last to assume my role as head of the household. I bet. With your wife gone so long, there was probably plenty of cleaning around the house. You probably had a sink full of dishes that needed to be washed. (laughs) Now, you're just teasing me. You're a husband, too. And as a husband, you know full well that's not what it means to be the head of the household. It doesn't mean ordering your wife to do all the chores. It doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) Gary, of course not. To be the head of something doesn't mean you give the orders, but it means you are responsible for someone As the Apostle Paul put it in his letter to the Ephesians, husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And as Jesus himself explained headship, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you 
must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now that's what headship is all about. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I wonder what your wife would have to say about that. Uh, maybe we better just leave the wives out of this. <laughs> Gary, Gary, don't, don't feel bad. All husbands, myself included, fall into the trap of thinking we are the ones in charge. But no. We are the ones to whom God has given responsibility to care for our wives, even if it means giving up our own lives. Oh, I found out a long time ago I wasn't in charge, but the way you described our husbandly duties, it does sound like an impossible mission. It is impossible for men, but all things are possible for God. Let, let me continue my story. As soon as Mary got back to Nazareth, everything began to go horribly wrong. What had happened? Well, you would think being the mother and father of the Son of God would give you a little pull, but apparently it doesn't, at least not with the rulers of this world. We received notice that Caesar was going to conduct a census. Ah, yes, the unforgettable words of Luke 2, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city, a passage made famous by Linus of the Peanuts Christmas special. <laughs> Again, I, I have no idea what you're talking about, Gary, but yes. <laughs> you don't know Charlie Brown? <laughs> no, I, no, we didn't have Charlie, I don't know. Not in my day anyway. But yes, 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 this is the event of which I refer. I know your government is known for the awkwardness of its bureaucracy. Yeah, awkward is a nice way to put it. Hours spent in lines waiting to renew your driver's license, the annual chore of filling out pages and pages and pages of tax forms. And yet that's nothing compared to what Mary and I had to go through. Some governmental leader in a far distant land ordering people to pack up and travel hundreds of miles just to fulfill his whim and making this order without any regard for what condition his citizens might be in, without concern that they be ill or are crippled. Or nine months pregnant. That is precisely my point. All you have to do is just put your tax forms in the nearest mailbox. I suppose we should remind our listeners also, with all due respect to the King James Version, it really wasn't your taxes that Caesar was concerned about. It was really a census he was taking, wasn't it, Joseph? That is correct, Gary. Uh, Caesar was concerned that the foreigners, under the control of his empire, were beginning to outnumber the Roman citizens themselves. Not a good situation if a country wishes to maintain its prominence. So Caesar conducted this census to see just how bad things had gotten. As every general knows, he must count the cost before he goes into battle. Historically speaking, Caesar regarded this census as one of the greatest accomplishments of his reign. Since there were no computer systems in my day, the only way to make a valid count was to use the birth records found in everyone's hometown. At least our government sends the census takers to visit us rather than having us go visit them. <laughs> you know, my concern is that this trip has been romanticized in your modern times. The picture of me, faithful Joseph, leading a donkey with his wife astride as they make their way to Bethlehem. I wish it had been that easy. What do you mean, Joseph? Well, for one thing, this was not some simple trip down to the local courthouse. The distance between Nazareth and Bethlehem was a good three days' journey. 
Furthermore, I, I would have loved to have provided my wife with a donkey on which to make the trip. Oh, I'm sure Caesar's wife rode on a donkey or better wherever she went. But as a poor carpenter, I couldn't afford such a luxury. No, for, for Mary and me, it was a three-day journey on foot with her expecting a baby any day. And of course, in all of this, I felt a burden far greater than just physical discomfort. What kind of burden are you referring to? The emotional burden. Remember what I had said earlier? I was the head of the household. It was my job to take care of Mary and child. And here I couldn't even provide adequate transportation. I, I felt like a failure. And as you well know, things only got worse when we arrived in Bethlehem. I think we do, as Luke says, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Been there, done that, Joseph. I know how horrible a husband feels when things don't work out the way they planned. At least I didn't have to put up with my wife complaining that I should have called ahead and made reservations. <laughs> you know, actually, Gary, Mary, Mary the dear, seemed to take this all in stride. But it does prove a point worth mentioning. What's that? The last two weeks, I, I talked about how sometimes husbands just end up doing what's wrong. As in my case, when I originally planned to divorce my wife. At the time, it seemed a reasonable course of action, but it was, it was just wrong. However, there... There are other times when we husbands are, are really trying to do our best. We're simply trying to do what God has given us to do, provide for our wives and their every need. But no matter how hard we try, it is never enough. As I said, I know exactly what you mean. I guess it will always be that way for those that God chooses to be husbands. There are just so many struggles in this life with wife and children, which we simply cannot solve on our own. However, there was something that encouraged me in the face of all of this, and perhaps it can be a comfort to you as well, Gary. And what's that, Joseph? Well, it actually goes back to the King David thing you keep asking about. What does King David have to do with it? Remember, the city of Bethlehem was not only Mary's and my hometown— it was also the hometown for King David. Ah, I bet if he were still king, he wouldn't force his people to make such a harsh journey. But still, why would that fact comfort you who lived under the reign of Caesar? Don't you remember the prophet said the coming Messiah would be of the house and lineage of David? The prophet Micah, in fact, had said that Christ would be born in the city of David, the town of Bethlehem. For whatever struggles we had that Christmas night, at least we knew the word of God was coming true. I should have known the crib I built in Nazareth would never get used, for the word of God always comes true, and the word had said he would be born in Bethlehem. But it didn't say he would be born in a stable or laid in a manger. True, Gary, but there is meaning and purpose to those things as well, and we will speak more of it next week. Oh, I look forward to that. Thanks so much for being on the program today. We'll talk to you next week. We are the Messenger of Good News, KFUO, KFUO.org, AM850 in St. Louis.